Hello and welcome to People, Places, Power with me, Nick Cull. And me, Simon Anhold. In this podcast, we talk about issues of international image, foreign policy, and a few other things along the way. And today, we're going to be talking about the changing image of Africa. Well, maybe I'm already um, uh, tipping the scale because we have to find out, first of all, uh, Simon, is the image of Africa changing? You've just got some new numbers uh, mm-hmm. in the latest edition of the Anhold Ipsos Nation Brands Index. Are you seeing any movement in how people around the world perceive Africa? Well, Nick, nothing, nothing dramatic. No, no uh, surprising changes from year to year. But the general trend is upwards. Since we first started running the Nation Brands Index back in 2005, we found that the various African nations that we include from time to time, their performance is gradually improving. Um, And when I say gradually improving, I mean ever so slightly above the average improvement, which we see across all countries. So it's very slow uh, for supporters of Africa, for people who'd like to see Africa better understood, better known, better regarded by the rest of the world. Frustratingly, paralyzingly slow, but at least it is going in the right direction. And one of the things we can see is that there appears to be more differentiation between African countries. What we used to see um, in the early days of the NBI was that almost all African countries that we included would cluster together at the bottom of the index, a clear sign that people didn't have uh, very much information about any of them individually and tend to uh, rank them according to their geographical position and not much else. What we've seen now is that um, they are splitting up and some of them are tending to rise towards the upper levels of the index towards not actually reaching the upper levels um, and others are remaining near the bottom. And that gives us, if nothing else, some much more uh, interesting data to examine. For sure. So you've got um, some North African countries in the index and um, uh, East and South African countries. Uh, So first of all, Egypt and Morocco, what's the story uh, for, for them? Well, Egypt, um, as always, ranks well above the other African countries. Um, It is not generally regarded as being an African nation by most people uh, worldwide, and primarily because it's so well recognized for tourism and culture uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, the the scores on those two points of the hexagon push it uh, well up above the other other countries in the the continent. So Egypt ranks, uh, generally speaking, around about um, 35th place overall. In, in the list of 60 countries. And then there's, there's a big gap before we get South Africa at 41st. And interestingly, Morocco, mm-hmm. the only uh, country uh, in North Africa that's currently included in the Nation Brands Index, is right up there alongside South Africa. And that's a very interesting result. South Africa for a long time has been, as, as we know, uh, one of the sub-Saharan African countries that always manages to stand out from the rest and has something of an image of its own, a tale of its own to tell, um, hits the news much more frequently, uh, and for all kinds of reasons that are pretty clear. So this is quite interesting that it's now uh, joined by Morocco with almost equal ranks. 
The reason why Morocco is so high is primarily because of tourism and culture, which often goes along with tourism. Uh, so it, it's, it's high for the same reason that Egypt is high. Um, but that's a good result. And uh, to find other African countries, the sub-Saharan African countries, we have to go right down to 55th, um, where we reach uh, mm-hmm. Kenya, Tanzania, 56th, and Botswana, 59th out of 60 countries. Right. So, but uh, uh, I think that Tanzania was showing an improvement, wasn't it? People are uh, increasingly impressed with Tanzania, uh, in as much as you can tell from the Yes. I mean, we've always got to remember that the the NBI is a very, very broad sample of the general population in each of the countries where we run it. So the vast majority of people who are answering this survey are not people who are experts on Africa by any means. Of course, some of them are from Africa, but as a general rule, um, they're people who are not uh, international business people. Um, They're not generally speaking um, university educated. And so knowledge of what's going on within individual African countries, which ones are developing, which ones are falling behind, which ones are well governed, which ones are wealthy, which ones are not. This is not information that the majority of the world's population has. And so most people on average around the world tend to make the same assumptions about all African countries, uh, that that they're poor, that they're backward. Um, that they're full of conflict and corruption and poverty and disease. And in that sense, the overall image of Africa really hasn't shifted very much uh, since I started doing the survey in 2005, uh, or indeed um, since the early 20th century. The bright spots include uh, Kenya um, getting something of a reputation in technology, I think. Mm. Uh, Rwanda, though it's not in your uh, in your in your survey, also is being um, uh, increasingly talked about for innovative technolo- uh, tech uh, solutions. Yes, um, yeah. that that suggests that people need to take another look at, at at Africa. Yes, well, I mean, we we can look at the reality of the countries as point A on a line, and then we can look at the things that are being said about those countries in the general media and the social media as point B on the line. And then we can look at point C on the line, which is what people then end up actually believing or knowing about those countries as measured by the NBI. And of course, it's often the case that the the talk about a country has to go on, uh, has to increase for quite some time before that produces an actual measurable change in people's prejudices or perceptions about that country. Um, Mm -hmm. So so when we see that there's more talk in the international media about um, rising African nations, then that's good. It doesn't show up yet in the actual measurable images of the countries, but it's a sign that we're probably heading in the right direction. Um, You mentioned Kenya. Um, It's worth mentioning that uh, Kenya scores um, pretty well, 42nd overall, on culture. And that, um, of all the results of all the African countries in the MBI, is the one that I guess pleases me most. Um, Because one of the things that um, I've observed to my sorrow about uh, the images of African nations over the years is how little people know about their cultures. And the general assumption is they don't have them, or at least not culturally in the way that, that, um, uh, for example, people in, in Asia or the Americas regard culture. And that does seem to be changing. People are now acknowledging that Kenya has culture, which is great. 
Well, that's well, that's really uh, uh, overdue. I mean, a thing you know, when when you and I first talked about this years ago, now uh, one of the problems you identified was how the um, the aid, uh, I think you called it industry, that the, mm. the the aid organizations that are looking to elicit donations to help Africa might actually have hurt Africa through stereotyping the continent as in need of um, in need of outside help and uh, unable to help itself uh, do you still see a persistence of those uh, those, those images those those impressions or or are we um, you know we're now 38 years beyond uh, the um, uh, band-aid Christmas record uh, yeah. is it still echoing or, or are, are newer ideas replacing those well we can certainly we can certainly see the aid industry struggling to find new ways of talking about Africa uh, to the rest of the world that, that doesn't present it as a as a basket case it, it's a challenge because you know with the best possible intentions these organizations, um, are trying to uh, stimulate people's uh, generosity, the generosity of the general public, to try to encourage people to think about Africa and to donate. And of course, if you want to do that, you can't show it as being a, a group of uh, happy, prosperous countries. Um, you have to show, or at least the belief was, you have to show misery. And the, the unintended uh, the, the, the unintended consequence of that is that people felt, yes, very sorry for Africa, and donated quite generously, um, varies enormously, of course, from country to country, but there were generous donations and people felt terribly bad and guilty about Africa. But that image is absolutely fine if you're trying to stimulate generosity. It's the worst image you can possibly have if you want to encourage people to go on holiday to Africa or buy an African product or service uh, or invest in an African economy or hire an African person. And so uh, the the, the, the desire to generate aid is inimical to the independent economic growth of the countries uh, because those are two separate images and they're entirely incompatible. So mm -hmm. good news is that since the days of, of, of Band-Aid and Bono and Geldof and all the rest of them, we do no longer see uh, endless images of, um, of uh, starving African children but um, it's difficult to say what's replaced it. And I would say that the, the communications coming from, from, the, uh, from the aid industry are uncertain. They obviously don't quite know what they should be showing. And they're trying to show happiness, but not trying to show people looking so happy that, um, uh, that nobody will give them money anymore. It's, it's a challenge. You know, the good, the good news is not as bad as it used to be. The bad news is that we still haven't yet found a way of talking about Africa um, that does it justice. Do you, do you get a sense that the issue of climate is, uh, as it relates to Africa, is being, um, be, be, being heard? Uh, because we have seen uh, African countries speaking at the uh, uh, recent climate summits. Yes, and, 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 and African voices is what the world needs to hear because uh, part of the problem um, typically in the past has been um, that nobody can really um, nobody can really name or identify a prominent African. 
there was Nelson Mandela, there yes. are occasional figures, Desmond yes. Tutu, that sort. Yes. But, but, but really very few um, nameable prominent individuals with, um, with, with, with messages to give that are relevant to the world outside um, the African continent. And that is now beginning well, to this, change. This was a thing that wor worried me, you know, I, I, I'm writing and researching about Africa and have always been uh, looked particularly at South Africa as a place where I can learn things and uh, and um, uh, learn so much about life right now. Um, but but talking to um, uh, Americans who were African specialists once, I think this would be um, uh, people connected to the Afri U.S. Africa Command. Mm. I asked them what they intended to learn from Africa. Was there anything they wanted to learn from Africa? And nobody could suggest anything that could be learnt in Africa. And that seemed just a devastating failure of I imagination. Uh, mm. And it, it really doesn't apply to Asia. You listen to how uh, you know, young British or American students talk about Asia as a mm. place they can learn about spirituality, a place they could learn martial arts, yes. a place they could find themselves or uh, mm. understand uh, art or there are, there are so many things that, that they think can be uh, learnt in Asia uh, mm. and you just don't have that um, that level of those responses to uh, to to the countries of um, of uh, sub-Saharan Africa yes. and it, it's to me just uh, 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 they, they are uh, missing out apart from yeah. anything else, but yes. because they're missing out because of their failure of imagination, um, you know, Af Africa picks up a, a, a tab. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a tremendous price that is paid for our failures or the failure of our part of the world uh, to 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 really understand what what can be learned in Africa from Africa and how we can learn as uh, together. How we can learn yeah. to you know together. And, 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 and of course, it has to be said, it's not as if that kind of cultural content isn't there. Of course it's there. And there's plenty of mm -hmm. it. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a huge exercise of the imagination to transpose some of those uh, Asian tropes uh, to Africa. Uh, no. you know, the traditional uh, remedies, the cuisine, the, 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 the song, the dance, the stories the languages oh, absolutely because th those things are uh, you find in all, all places in the world i just think we've we've uh, internalized a mm. um, a hierarchy and mm. it's not just that we're not rid of the 1980s maybe we're not rid of the 1880s and yes. we still have a a hierarchy where africa is at the at the um at the bottom of a of the of a, of a pyramid and i think that's a terrible and unjust Thing, but unless we actually, unless we talk about it and uh, uh, take steps, so uh, you know, one of the things I thought was very positive um, has been responses to African requests for the return of museum objects. Yeah, well, at the, at the most basic level, um, it's letting people around the world know um, that um, that these countries in in africa they they have their artifacts which have a value 
And without even going into the ethics of the matter, the, um, the rights and the wrongs of it, which are pretty straightforward, it seems to me, nonetheless, the mere fact that people are discussing in the media almost every day at the moment, the return of these precious artworks to their original home, um, homes in Nigeria and elsewhere, that's really good because it's getting across the simple point. If you think there is no culture uh, in Africa, think again, you're wrong. I mean, you, you, you say go, goes back to the 1880s. I think that's absolutely right, because I think uh, what Africa is uh, paying the price for still today um, is the imagination of Western writers back in the 19th century. Orientalism made uh, Asia and the Middle East look exotic. And the fact that they were different was taken as a, as a, as a positive, trivialized but exoticized. Africa, for various reasons, was never considered to be exotic. It was just different, but without that sort of premium of exotica attached to it. And that's the reason why even today, I suspect, um, combined with the fact that so much uh, African tradition is an oral tradition and um, therefore isn't so easily spread internationally. The, the, the fact of the matter, and, and this has been clear to me for many, many years, and I've been saying it whenever I go to Africa for, for 20 years or more, um, Africa needs to do cultural relations in a way that it hasn't really done up until now. And that may be partly because no individual African nation has really got um, the resources or perhaps even the experience uh, to do international cultural relations um, to a level that would be um, that, that would make a difference, but why not uh, why not an African Council on the model of the British Council that would um, be a sort of club of African nations that want to collectively sure. uh, promote and share their culture around the world? I really think that unless Africa and at least some African countries can start doing that, the image of Africa as a whole will always be hampered by the fact that it's perceived not to have culture. And one of the things that we, we've known from the Nation Brands Index ever since the early days is that culture is the sort of linchpin of a country's overall image. And uh, yeah, people, no. people are very willing to believe that there are countries that don't have any culture. You and I know that that's never the case. But international public opinion is ready to believe that there are countries without any culture whatsoever. And if they think you have no culture whatsoever, then they're just not interested in your country at all. If I, when I think about the attitudes in the 19th century, I think Asia was perceived in terms of of culture and Africa was perceived in terms of nature. Uh, so it, it, it's like the people were kind of, uh, to the extent they were uh, contemplated, were an extension of the natural world and not uh, not treated seriously as you know manifestations of human creativity. Uh, they were there to be changed, not to be um, not to be listened to or learned from or exchanged with, uh, and that's a really shocking, awful, awful uh, way way of um, approaching. When I look at which countries have done a good job in terms of uh, culture, cultural projection, uh, Angola uh, has been able to do more than most because mm. of the oil wealth. So there was a year when Angola won the Golden Lion at the um, uh, Venice Biennale of Art. And uh, Angola is reliable as a, I know you hate them, but <laughs> the international expos, uh, there's a good track record of, of, of uh, very nice pavilions 
uh, from a- Angola. So that's, that's the sort of um, that's the sort of thing that that is needed, but on a much on a much larger scale. I mean, another thing that I think has been positive is Mali uh, and the Renaissance music festivals that are happening in. Uh, happening in Mali now and are uh, showing the strength of um, Malian uh, musical culture. I I would argue that a Western interest or an external interest and understanding of the cultural richness of Mali specifically uh, acted as a kind of protection for that country when it was threatened by the religious religious extremists. Do you remember uh, yes. back in um, twenty twelve? I think it was that they mm. were uh, closing in on um, Timbuktu, and instantly we were told about the value of the manuscripts in Mali, of the ancient architecture in Mali, yes. and um, of, of France deployed troops quite swiftly to protect Mali uh, in a way that um, I, th- I think reflected a, a, a an appreciation of of the country that is missing in uh, many other places. And it, so that was a really interesting example of the cultural strength of a place yes. justifying a uh, external protection rather than just the uh, the sorts of arguments that were put forward around protecting Somalia, for example, yeah, where yeah. it was purely humanitarian. Um, and uh, so I, I, I'm encouraged by um, I'm encouraged by that as a uh, as an example. Yes, and 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 very interesting, of course, to note that um, the assistance came from France, where of course. Um, African countries, but particularly in the Maghreb, are better known and closer, and the culture is better mm. known. But the bottom line is that uh, one way or another, for Africa to continue to emerge and take its its rightful place amongst the continents of the earth, somehow or other, that element of cultural knowledge, cultural awareness, cultural respect has got to has got to be achieved uh, in some way or another, and it can happen as a consequence of the countries emerging economically and politically. Um, but that's a very, very long and slow process. Or it can be pushed along through effective cultural relations. And, and as ever, um, I, can, I can never use the term cultural relations without reminding people that what the British Council say about that, the essential, the essential component of cultural relations being mutuality. Good cultural relations mm-hmm. is not about spending taxpayers' money promoting your culture. It's about engaging in cultural activities with people from other countries. And that's that's the key to it. That's the way that yes. peoples of the earth can become friends. Uh, I, I think one of the trends we can see in Africa is an increasing awareness that the Chinese overtures to Africa are uh, maybe not as altruistic as they might claim, and that they have their own version of a underestimation of African culture and assumption that Africa's there to learn and they're there to teach. And yeah. uh, we can see the same kind of uh, prejudice being being repeated in uh, China's uh, uh, beneficence. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, Africans are not stupid. They can see when somebody has an agenda. Yes. Well, I think that I think the lack of altruism on the part of uh, Chinese investors in Africa is generally welcomed because um, a, a great many African governments that I've spoken to have had enough of Western altruism. 
Um, yes. Because as the old saying says, the hand that receives is always beneath the hand that gives. And when, when it's too, too moral, it becomes moralizing and moralistic. Um, and you yes. start getting into um, enormous amounts of conditionality on aid, and, which is really giving with one hand and taking away with the other. And a, a, a number of um, African uh, politicians and administrators have commented to me that they prefer the Chinese approach because at least they're treated like adults. Um, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, they try and rip us off and we try and rip them off. And that's the way trade works. Um, and we respect the fact that they're not uh, full of uh, moral hang-ups and uh, they're just trying to do business and make money. And so are we. And in that circumstance, if you're smart, you can both make money. I think that argument uh, is very revealing. It would be better still um, if there was a, a, a bit of um, sincere good intention alongside the desire to make money. Uh, and perhaps there is. Perhaps we shouldn't judge the Chinese too uh, negatively because they are um, certainly bringing a great deal of wealth and development and badly needed infrastructure to the continent and in some ways do far more than the West does with its, uh, with its agonizing mor uh, morality. So uh, as we move towards rounding things off, one African country we haven't talked about, but, we, uh, but which obviously a, a, a big player um, is, is, uh, is Nigeria, um, what what do you think of the image of Nigeria? Are you seeing uh, indicators uh, around that country specifically? Mm. Because you know so many people live there. It has so many extractive industries uh, mm. running that that it has it has tremendous potential. But what's your sense of the image of Nigeria? Well, um, Nigeria is one of the, not one of the countries that's regularly included in the MBI, so I don't have any recent data for it. When it has been included, I think once or twice over the years, um, it's tended to rank down there in the cluster of sub-Saharan African countries at, at the bottom of the index. And being at the bottom of the index, uh, you can see, for example, Botswana, very sadly, is almost always the lowest ranking African country in the MBI, um, very near the bottom of the list. This isn't necessarily because people think there's anything wrong with Botswana. It's because they don't know anything about it. And I think this, the, the same to some extent is true of Nigeria. Although um, Nigeria has some particular bad stories attached to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the scam emails, which um, became so famous and were uniquely mm -hmm. and perhaps rather unfairly associated uh, with, with Nigeria alone. So, so who knows? My suspicion is that if we were to include Nigeria now, it would be it would be down there somewhere between uh, Tanzania at fifty third and Botswana at fifty seventh or fifty eighth or, or, or wherever it currently is. So I think uh, yes, Nigeria is a, a, a big player, um, a significant presence um, in the continent and beyond, uh, a large economy and an important country on the planet. Um, that doesn't mean that people know it yet, um, as a general no. rule. The elites do, of course. Chinese investors do, of course. Um, international business people and diplomats do, of course. But your, your average person on the street around the world, no. Um, all they know is that Nigeria is in Africa. All they know is that Botswana, Kenya and Tanzania are in Africa. And that's enough uh, for them to write off those countries. And really, somehow that's going to have to change. So that's all we have time for this week. There's a lot to think about uh, going forward. 
regarding uh, emerging images in in Africa, uh, but that's only one part of the Nation Brands Index findings for 2022, and we'll look at the findings uh, as a whole uh, next time. Thank you so much for listening. I'm still Nick Cole. I'm still Simon Anhold. <laughs>